Welcome back to Phonication, the podcast dedicated to dispelling misinformation. I'm your Rat Bastard host, Jack, and thank you so, so much for tuning back in. Today, we're doing part two of Cats. No, not the musical. <laughs> and also not the movie that I'm pretending was never made, because how dare they disrespect Judy Dench like that? We're discussing the animal, Felis Catus. Obviously, I mean, this is a biology podcast, so. If you haven't checked out part one, I recommend checking that one out first, as you might get some spoilers. Actually, Maybe not. I mean, it's not like this is a movie. I primarily talked about cat evolution. I assume it wouldn't be a spoiler to find out that cats exist. Although I did talk about body language and stuff, and I'm sure I'm going to allude to that a bunch. So maybe, yeah, go and listen to that one so you don't get spoilers. (laughs) But also go listen to it because it's awesome. And I had fun doing it and you'll have fun listening to it. And it's just a win-win situation no matter how you slice it. All right. Now that I've started off with a sufficiently awkward introduction, let's delve into the content. And I think I know what you guys want to know about. Let's get sexy, baby. First of all, (laughs) that was weird. I'm sorry. First of all, I want to tell you something I find intensely funny. A female cat in heat is called a queen. And considering the general demeanor of cats, I think that fits very well. Honestly, I think all cats of any gender should be called queen. Like, I look at my boy Simon looking down at his nose for me from various perches, and queen seems like the most fitting term. (laughs) But yeah, female cats in heat equals queen. So naturally, one would think an adult male is called a king. Pairs together, you know? Absolutely not. (laughs) A male is just called a tom. Just tom. Not lord, or king, or duke, or something else appropriate. Just tom. Like... He's some peasant that the queen allows to bed her. The term uh, actually comes from The Life and Adventures of a Cat, published all the way back in 1760. One of the main characters was a cat named Tom. Ergo, cats are now Tom. I tried desperately to find out the plot of the book for you guys, but I couldn't find the plot summary anywhere. I could only find descriptions that it was very popular, despite there being no information about it. I would have bought the book to find out, but... You bitch don't have that kind of money. And yeah, this ended up being why Tom from Tom and Jerry got his name. All this to say, when a queen and a tomcat love each other very much, they have a one-night stand. Feral cats, or even outdoor cats, have really, really large ranges that often overlap, especially for male cats. A tom could have a territory that encompasses the territories of several females. And they love those one-night stands. I'm sure you've heard them. Lots of polygamy, males mate with multiple females, as well as females mating with multiple males, to the point where it's not uncommon for kittens in the same litter to have multiple fathers. Which is pretty cool how that's a thing, right? Like, it's super common amongst feral cats, as well as stray dogs, actually. Every single kitten could potentially have a different father. It's something called super fecundation, I think. Um, super fecundation? I feel like super fecundation is is right, but I'm not positive. It's a term. It's a science term. (laughs) And it actually happens in humans too, by the way. But for us, it's super fucking rare, but still pretty awesome. So because of all this uh, wanton behavior, the males naturally had to evolve methods of ensuring that their genetic material was most likely to be passed on, despite the queen having so many other suitors craving her time. So what's a guy to do when he's trying to impregnate a desirable lady? Obviously, he grows spikes on his penis. Pro tip, if you're ever in a dick measuring contest, if your dick has spikes, you win. Size no longer matters. You just, you, you just win. (laughs) 
So more accurately, the spikes are actually called barbs, but they look like fucking spikes. If you checked out my episode on spooky bats, this might sound familiar. Also, if you haven't, go check it out because I love bats. <laughs> they use the barbs to scrape other tomcats' semen out of the queen's vagina. Not 100% effective, but it definitely gets the job done. And hey, I know that probably sounds painful. The idea of a spiky penis scraping the inside of a vagina, so I want to clear that up. It is absolutely very much so completely painful. Like, the tomcat has to bite down on the female's neck to keep her from getting away after she realizes that the whole situation is just absolutely fucked. Don't get me wrong. Once she realizes, she tries very hard to get away generally. She absolutely revokes consent. She starts clawing and hissing and shit like that, which really fucking sucks, you know? Like, most animals are just sex is a thing that I'm supposed to do. Some animals, such as humans, think sex is fucking awesome and it releases all sorts of happy drugs in my brain. But poor cats are like, procreating is literal fucking torture. And at this point, the way cats have evolved, ovulation actually can't happen without the barbs anymore. The scratching of the barbs inside the queen's vagina stimulates the necessary hormone to start ovulation. I mean, there are some cases of spontaneous ovulation rather than induced ovulation with the spikes, but induced ovulation by shredding her insides is generally how it happens. And it's not like she gets any decent foreplay or anything either. The entire courtship ritual is just a tomcat screaming or caterwauling, hey, I'm horny, where you bitches at? That's the dating scene for a cat. It's even worse than Tinder. Like, at least on Tinder, you get dudes trying to impress you with puns they googled, not realizing that everyone has heard the same joke about pineapples. But even though it's overdone, there's values in puns. The tomcat can't even be bothered to put in the cat effort equivalent of googling pickup lines. It actually makes me so glad our cat Simon is fixed, because, I don't know, as a feminist, I would be so upset knowing that our cat did that to a lady. Like, we did not raise him to treat women like sex objects. <laughs> All right, so that was a little fucked up, so let's go to something significantly more lighthearted. Cat culture. I'm talking Grumpy Cat, Maru, Lil Bub, Colonel Meow, Long Cat, Keyboard Cat, Neon Cat, Hover Cat, Lol Cats, Scaring Cats with Cucumbers, Putting Cheese on Cats, Putting Bread on Cats, Cat Cafes, Memes and More Memes. I could go on forever about cat memes, and I'd be ecstatic to do it. Cats are the semi-official mascot of the internet, and I am a millennial. We go together like pineapple on pizza. But let's explore how the fuck that happened because hilariously, this has attracted the attention of some really big kids. Time Magazine did an article on it and so did the New York Times and the LA Times. There was even an entire exhibition dedicated to it at the Museum of Moving Images in New York. Actual scholars and scientists sit down and study this shit. <laughs> and while on its own, that's objectively hilarious, it's even more hilarious because I feel like it's completely obvious why cats took over. So according to big kids who own lab coats, their research, their actual research into this has determined that looking at cat memes is related to positive emotion. I mean, obviously. They say it can work as a form of therapy or stress relief, which again, feels really obvious. In an article by Wired Magazine, they expressed that the answer, cats are cute, was too simple. I mean, that makes sense. Dogs are equally cute and they're not the mascot here. I have to read you a quote from that actual researcher who has a second job as my personal hero. Quote, 
If we want to better understand the effects the internet may have on us as individuals and on society, then researchers can't ignore internet cats anymore. The consumption of online cat-related media deserves empirical attention. End quote. <laughs> That's a real fucking quote. And I had to read it about eight times to believe that it was ever fucking said. <laughs> like, I get it. It's not wrong at all. It's become such a massive part of media and society, and it has real-world effects. So obviously we need empirical data on it. For example, during the Brussels lockdown in 2015, after the terrorist attacks in Paris, a gazillion Twitter users flooded the hashtag with pictures of cats to prevent terrorists from gaining like actual useful information. Although now the K-pop stands have kind of taken over that internet duty. But that means a scientist has to fucking sit down and find a deeper meaning to Nyan Cat. And to make that even better, you know it wasn't like the official association of doing science stuff that started research into this. It was most likely corporations who were trying to sell stuff and yelling at their marketing team. Like, I'm just imagining some 65-year-old CEO in a boardroom screaming at his employees like, what do millennials like? How do we get on this cat train? Why haven't you made me viral? And then ordering some tired Nobel Prize laureate to watch cat videos. <laughs> like, the imagery makes me want to cry laugh, you know? <laughs> And I've been reading numerous articles. <laughs> it's, it, it's crazy. Some people think it's a power dynamic thing that made cats popular because compared to us, cats are helpless and we're the dominating force in that dynamic. Some believe it's due to anthropomorphic qualities. Another theory is that as cats are generally unaware of the camera filming them, people love the lack of consciousness in an era of hyper surveillance. So it allows us to imagine a possibility of freedom from surveillance. <laughs> like, no. And all of those theories are why corporations never hit the mark and all of their content falls flat. <laughs> like, and that is the perfect segue to tell you guys a couple words about today's sponsor. I'm kidding. I don't have a sponsor. <laughs> all right, let's move on to the final segment of this episode. I don't know what to call it though. Like I'm gonna bust some myths about cats, so I wanna call it Mythbusters, but that is very obviously taken by a very excellent TV show. So then I wanted to combine the words myth and misconception into misconception, but now I sound like an asshole making fun of people with lisps. Maybe like feelless falsehoods, but then I can't apply it universally. If anyone is smarter and funnier than me, which is probably all of you, let me know if you can think of a better name, please. <laughs> but let's start with one of the most pervasive feelist falsehoods. <laughs> All right, the first one being, your cat doesn't love you. That is completely false. Generally speaking, unless you're a huge, like, actual asshole to your cat, they genuinely love you. This myth gained traction in a fairly plausible way. The two main domestic animals are cats and dogs, of course. But think back to the first episode when I talked about how dogs evolved from social creatures, where cats evolved from solitary predators, and they had to learn to adapt to their social cues. So a dog, being a natural team player, shows their love very affectionately. And by getting 100% in your personal space and practically screaming at you how much they love you, they're super clingy and expressive about their love. And cats express it too, but their social cues are not the same as dogs. So when humans didn't read the same body language that they expected from dogs, they interpreted it as cats are hateful. A study published in Animal Welfare determined that humans are kind of absolute trash at reading cat facial expressions. 
only 13% of over 6,000 participants performed well. Half the time, most people were completely wrong. Another study by Kristen Vitali determined that 65% of cats exhibit secure attachment styles, basically being more comfortable and secure in their environment when their owner is nearby. So obviously that's going to speak to, you know, trust and bonding and everything like that. Additionally, cats engage in a behavior called mirroring, where they mimic your behaviors and activities. It's another sign of bonding and trusting you. And also, that happy drug associated with love called oxytocin, when your cat hangs out with you, their oxytocin levels increase because they love you. They follow you into rooms to deliberately ignore you and make sure you see them ignoring you, not because they're pretentious, but actually because they want to be around you, but respect your personal space. Although, do not get me wrong, like, they are absolutely still pretentious as fuck. That's just not the reason why. <laughs> Alright, on to the next myth. Curiosity killed the cat. Half true. The original phrase comes from a play by Ben Jonson in 1598, and then it was performed and adapted by Shakespeare. Obviously meant to warn of the dangers of unnecessary investigation. The phrase then evolved into curiosity killed the cat, but satisfaction brought it back. Alluding to the whole nine lives thing. And the new phrase basically means you might get burned, but the satisfaction of finding out makes it worth it. Literally the opposite meaning. That addition was added in 1912, just over 300 years after the original phrase. Then the added phrase eventually fell off and fell out of fashion. And the original phrase of just curiosity killed the cat fell back into fashion, but sometimes it is still wrongly declared to have originally been the longer version of it generally by smug people at parties who get off on always being right. So feel free to deflate them because they're assholes. All right, next myth. Cats hate affection. Your cat loves you. And now that it has evolved into a social animal, it loves social bonding. That includes things like communal grooming. So an animal like a snake or something who doesn't engage in those kinds of behaviors might see you bending down to kiss it and think, oh hell, it's going to fucking eat me. Your cat is an animal that engages in social grooming when in a litter with other cats. So when you bend down for smooches and face-to-face -face snuggles and, you know, generally getting into their personal space, your cat recognizes that mommy or daddy is saying, I love you. If they resist, it's because of the whole personal space thing. But when your cat is comfortable and secure, generally they love those kisses. All right, last myth. Black cats are bad luck. I can't speak 100% on this, obviously, because I don't know for a fact if bad luck is real or not, but I am in the staunch position that luck is not real, or at least not in a way where it can be affected. To me, luck is no more than a coincidence or like an accident that happened to be either good or bad for you. But for those of you who do believe in luck, or those who don't but are curious about the origin of the black cat superstitions, let me give you the condensed rundown on how that started. So actually, they don't always mean bad luck in every culture. For example, in Celtic and Japanese lore, they were sometimes positive omens. The Scots believed that it signaled prosperity, while the Welsh believed it brought good health. But in those same cultures, the negative connotations still existed. For the Scots again, a fairy called the Cat Sith, which is an awesome title, um, it haunts the spectral highlands. And again for the Welsh, a giant monster named Cath Palug grew from a solid black kitten. There's also a variety of mini superstitions, I guess, like for example, pirates believing a black cat walking towards you brings bad luck, while it walking away means it brings bad luck with it, away from you. While some people actually believe the opposite is true. A black cat walking onto and off of a ship dooms that ship to sink on its next voyage. And naturally, a woman who owns a black cat will have lots of suitors, 
which is a solid dating plan. I highly recommend it. Go to that shelter and adopt a black cat, especially because they're notoriously hard to get adopted. And there is, of course, the traditional association with witches. This specifically comes from the belief that black cats are the familiars of witches. A witch's familiar is like a supernatural entity that assists the witch, normally taking the form of a normal animal. Some people expanded that superstition and believed that black cats are the witches themselves in disguise. This superstition took hold in medieval Europe and then eventually made its way over to America with these super devout, super paranoid pilgrims. Kind of the same way that superstitions about black ravens spread. And naturally, because witches are of Satan, black cats were also deemed satanic. And this led to some honestly horrific violence against them in many areas of Europe. Zero out of 10. Do not look that shit up. I did it for you and I regret it. I would love to tell you that they got their comeuppance for it, but I'm not sure. It's often said that Pope Gregory IX saw cats as satanic, and then he issued a papal bull titled Vox in Rama, which ordered the killings of cats in mass. And then those cats were no longer killing mice because they were dead, so those mice and rats spread the bubonic plague and killed all the assholes who were killing cats. That is a fantastic story of just desserts, but it's hard to narrow down how accurate that was. The papal bull did not expressly order people to kill cats, but it almost certainly encouraged that it wasn't a bad practice. And a lot of cat killings certainly took place around that time. But it's not likely that was the primary reason for the bubonic plague. More likely, bad hygiene and a lack of understanding of things like germ theory or human anatomy. But I'm sure it didn't exactly help. (laughs) All right, my dear listeners, that is where today's episode ends. Once again, thank you so incredibly much for tuning in. It is genuinely so freaking appreciated. If you enjoy the podcast, you should consider leaving a review. If you really like the podcast, you could subscribe to our Patreon. And that's it. Plug over. I'll be back to regular episodes next week, but I hope you enjoy this detour through cat country. Bye. Bye.